to receive your word. I'm asking for your anointing, Lord, to rightfully divide your word. Lord, I pray that in the midst of chaos and turmoil and craziness, that your church stand fast and stand still. And that we wait on you. And we go when you say go, and we stop when you say stop. But Lord, let us never forget the most important thing, to let you be the head, to share you with others, Lord. And I pray that tonight you'll bless the tithe and offering we're going to receive. Lord, let us leave this place encouraged. And Lord, let us always be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. I guess might to take up the uh, offering. I guess it's going to be you, Arlene. Turn in your word tonight to Romans chapter 10. Uh, Israel asked me if I broke into his house. I said, no, not to my knowledge, I, I didn't. Uh, I said, why? He said, man, this morning and then tonight, these scriptures are just what the Lord has laid on my heart for tomorrow. And uh, I said, well, that's just confirmation. That's how the Lord works. And I always say, regardless of who's preaching and where they're preaching from, it all points to the same place if you're preaching the word. It points to Jesus Christ. Tonight, I want to... Uh, Used for a subject, title, whatever you want to call it, righteousness. Talking about the righteousness of God. And uh, <laughs> growing up in a Pentecostal church, and just growing up in church period, doesn't matter if it's Pentecostal or not, you heard about righteousness, and we sing that song, holiness, holiness is what I want when we get to righteousness. And, 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 and brokenness and all of these things. And, but what is righteousness? What, what, what is the righteousness of God? And uh, I suppose that's a question you could ask many, and, and I, I, would, I would guess you would probably get many answers. But we're going we're gonna to leave this place knowing tonight what that is. Uh, some people ask and wonder, well, what is God's will for my life? I've spent a lot of time there trying to figure out, what is your will, Lord, for my life? And I was trying to get that answer through man's validation or, or people's opinions of what they think I should do. And sadly, today, we have people that will take a test <laughs> to figure out what God's blessed them with and what to do. And why am I laughing? Because it's almost comical. We're, asking, we're, we're, we're looking to a piece of paper to tell us what the Lord has placed in us. I remember uh, being in services and, and, or, or being places, and I think, Lord, I know that you put that in me. But I was always looking for something else. And, and what is God's will for my life? Why, or why is my life a continuous struggle? And, and, and because I would find myself trying really hard and, and, and doing the right things and going to church and, and opening the church and 
and preparing things for church and doing all the behind-the-scenes things for the church. And I just couldn't figure out why my life was a continual struggle and why I was uh, floundering around, I guess, or... You know, you, you pray in the morning, you pray at night, you, you pray at lunch, you pray in between, you're seeking the Lord, you, you're trying, 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 and trying so hard, and even listening to, to Christian music, and, and uh, making sure you got the right CDs, or the right, uh, now it's not even CDs, it's through Bluetooth on your, on your uh, whatever phone, and through your car, but uh, just doing all the stuff, trying to be counted righteous, or or, or look, looked at as uh, a form of righteousness, or, or understanding that uh, I'm doing all the do's, I guess. And, and maybe, maybe these questions or statements or thoughts have went through your head, and I'm sure if we were honest, maybe not in that realm, or, but similar to that. And, and we, we ask the question, and we, we wonder why life is such a struggle. I love the Lord. I desire to be in His will I mean, I'm singing Jesus be the center of it all, just from the, from the depths of my soul, and I don't get it. I don't understand why. I, 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 I tell, we tell people, I tell people, I told a, a young man sitting in my office, he gloriously was saved, and I said, today begins the hardest trial you've ever faced in your life. <laughs> I didn't say, man, this is going to be a bowl of... Uh, uh, cherries and man and, and everything's just gonna fall into place and and the angels are gonna go before you blowing trumpets and the seas are gonna part now begins the battle of your life because you have the divine nature inside of you but yet that sin nature still desires to pull you down but if you do not remain in Christ and you trying to do things to conquer things then you will find yourself miserable and you don't have to live miserable I wish I could tell you that, that that young man heeded to my advice, but they did not. They went their own way and did their own thing, and now they find themselves miserable and can't figure out why. And for that one person, there's 10,000 just like it. And if we would all be honest, that's really where we have found ourselves or find ourselves. And all of us have been miserable at one point in time. It just happens. Because life comes and it comes with a vengeance. So I've got good news if that's fine. If you find yourself asking these questions, you're not the only person. You're not the only one. You will not be the only one. It has happened and will happen. And I found myself asking those same questions, making those same statements. And then all of a sudden, it made sense to me. I have that revelation, I guess, if you will, in my life. I had a demonstration of the Holy Spirit take place within my own self and in my own life, and I figured out Isaiah 64, 6 was applicable to my life, that I was trying to live by my own righteousness. And I read this, and I got sick to my stomach because this was my life for so many years, but we are all... Uh, all are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as the leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Because I realized in myself, in my doings, in my good things, it was my righteousness that I was trying to live, and by and through my righteousness, I was trying to live, and it became very real and evident to me how God looked at this. I'm not going to be detailed, but 
this filthy rag refers to a monthly circumstance that happens with females. And and, and I, I, I thought, my God, wow, I'm trying to impress you, and you ain't impressed. I'm trying to earn favor. I'm trying to earn merit. I'm trying to earn a extra crown in my or extra jewel in my crown. I'm trying to get a a big brass door knocker on my mansion in heaven instead of just a little a little tiny one. I was trying to do things to gain things, but I was trying to do those things out of ignorance. But ignorance was my fault, no one else's. I had finally came to the realization that in myself I was no good, that I had spiritual leprosy, if you will. I, it, 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 it sunk in that I had been giving Cain's offering. That's what I had been given God. I'd been given what I wanted and, and what I thought was good enough, and, and God looked at my righteousness again as a filthy rag, and it became evident to me that I need you, Lord. Lord, I, I, I need you. So, when we come to Romans chapter 10, <coughs> this became real and evident, obviously, in Paul's life. Because righteousness, if it were by means of, of knowledge and by means of execution of holy duties and, and things, he was all on it. But he realized this is nothing. And then you come to Romans chapter 10 and verses uh, 1 through 4. It says, Brethren, my, heart my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Is that our prayer for people? That they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of, notice the wording, that they have a zeal of, of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Your answer is found in verse 4. <laughs> Y'all got to wake up tonight or this afternoon or this evening. Y'all awful quiet today. There's, I know it's been pollen in the knee outside and the, the winds and rains have come, but you are counted righteous in Christ. <laughs> wow. We can go home now. See y'all... It's that, it's that simple. Jason's about to leave. <laughs> I'm going to Dairy Queen before they get busy. In the first verse, we, we, we know that Paul was writing to the saints of the church. And how do we know this? Because he wrote brethren. In Christ, you have a spiritual bond that no one else has. Brethren, brother, sister in the Lord. It's so wonderful to meet people that you've never met in your life and your spirit bear witness. You know, you, you know with an instant that they're your brother or sister in the Lord. And in fact, sometimes those brothers and sisters in the Lord are actually closer than your blood brothers or sisters 
because they're believers. You have that unity. You have that common ground. You are both standing on the same platform, if you will. Brother Michael Jakes watches uh, a lot of our messages and, and, and uh, maybe tuning in tonight, I'm not sure, and, and tunes in on, on Tuesday morning Bible studies. I've never met him personally. But if I did, it would be like we, I'm sure it's going to be like we, and I, one day I pray that we do, like we've known each other for our whole entire lives. It's not that we are, are, are we, we, don't, we definitely don't look the same. It's none of that, but it's because the same blood has been applied to his life as my life, and it has changed us from the inside out, and our spirits instantly bear witness. So we have brothers and sisters in the Lord, and it's a beautiful thing not to deny that. So he was writing to the church, and, and, and again, to a bond that ties Christians together. It's through Christ's blood that we are united, nothing else. It's, it's not, we, don't, we can sing, it ain't that we sing the same songs, dress alike, look alike, talk alike. We're united in Christ through the blood. So Paul's prayer is that, that they might be saved. What a prayer. <laughs> what a, what a, what a, what, I mean, how simple. That they might be saved, it wasn't that they might shout and run and, and dance in the streets, but that they might be saved because that's the most important thing, is to be saved. So they might be saved, this is what Paul was praying for them, and he knew that their logic, he knew what their logic was, he understood their thinking, he knew that they were living a lie. How did he know this? He once lived it himself. It was a lie that he had told, uh, that he or they had told themselves, and, and they lived just like some of us have, have lied to ourselves and lived by our own righteousness, and we think it's great. But we know inside and deep down we're frustrated. Despite the religious history, they were lost, and sadly America is in the same state it is now. If we want to talk about the founding forefathers of, of our great country and, and whatever that may be, and we want to, was it truly established in Christ? In God we trust. What God? I know in whom, whom I believe, and I know exactly what it's talking about. I, I, you, you use the terminology, a lot, of, a lot of programs use the terminology, a higher power. Well, that's God. But who? So, it's in Christ. And we talk about these these things, and we have a deep-rooted history of religion. That could be the problem. <laughs> In fact, that is the problem. Because ain't nobody going to tell me that I was wrong. Ain't nobody going to tell me that I believe wrong my whole time. Ain't you? Ain't no. You're not going to do it. You can't tell me I'm wrong. Well, I don't have to. The Word of God will address that. It's funny that, that you can be somebody's pastor until, until the Holy Spirit gets a hold of them and starts wrecking their life, and all of a sudden, you're just lying. <laughs> Listen, I, 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 I always say religion will leave you, lead you to the grave with a head full of knowledge but an empty heart. That's religion. You know everything about everything and anything but have never experienced nothing in your life. Why is it so important for us to pray for the lost? Because we have the, have we ever thought about the authority that's placed in our hands as believers? Have you ever just saw, sat and thought about the privilege 
and authority that God Almighty has endowed you and trusted you with. He calls us an ambassador. And are we taking advantage of that, that authority and that privilege? When you read in Mark 16, verses 15 through 18, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Meaning it is, it is for any and every one. We cannot nitpick and choose who we think is worthy of the gospel. But every creature, preach it to every creature, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Not baptized in water, baptized in Christ. But he who believes not shall be damned, and those signs shall follow them who believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents. Please, dear Lord Jesus, it don't mean picking up snakes, okay? Uh, put away, meaning put away a de not demonic spirits, not, not, not picking up snakes. And if they drink a deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. It don't mean that go fix you and pour you a bottle of strychnine. Please, if you die, it's because you're stupid and you should never do that. People do that. that. That's a real deal. I was watching the other day uh, that there were some lady dancing around with a vase full of fire on her neck. And I thought, what in the, what is she doing? I'm like, woman, you're going to catch on fire. But anyway, and, and it don't mean that it's referring to, to uh, not referring to purposely drinking poison, okay? It refers to the accidental, I guess, ingestion. Uh, so it's talking about protection. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I don't know why in the world I started watching that the other day, but I was, uh, this guy had been bitten, this particular pastor of this church, had been bitten by a snake six times, and was lucky enough to live, and this time he had some rattlesnake, and it bit his ear, and it would have killed him had they not taken him to the hospital, and they believe and they profess that if you go, if you're, if you're, uh, saved and you're righteous and holy, you're not going to suffer and it's going to be all right. Well, he must have been jacked up because that rusk, he would have died had he not went to the hospital. <laughs> Listen, for the last time, please, that we're not talking about picking up real snakes and dancing around. That's not, that's not it is. John 14, 13 and 14, it says, Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 15 and 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. In John 16 and verse 23, it says, And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever you ask, the Father, in my name, he will give it to you. I want you to grasp this verse. And, and it says, in that day, he shall, you shall ask me nothing. And it's a personal thing. It's personally, whatsoever you shall ask in my name. And it's according to what he has accomplished at Calvary. Not meaning, Lord Jesus, give me a new F-350 with 44s and a 12-inch lift with air ride. That ain't got nothing to do with Lord, if you want to bless me with that, I will gladly take it, but it ain't got nothing to do with all that. According to the finished work and, and faith in that finished work, He will give it to you. He, he places us in direct relationship 
with the Father. So we enjoy the same access that Christ enjoyed. You have a privilege and you have an authority that is placed in you to pray for people to lay hands on the sick. We believe that you can lay hands and on the sick and they shall be healed. I believe that with all that's within me. You're going to be healed here or you're going to be healed in glory. One of the two. Our comprehension of healing has to be a physical thing that we see. No, God will heal and he will do in his time. But nonetheless, he's still the healer. We have an authority inside of us that compares to no one, to nothing. They can, they can pray in the name of whatever, but when you begin to pray in the name of Jesus, all hell begins to tremble. My God. <laughs> it's through prayer that you and I are here today. It's, it's through prayer that we are saved just as... Just to, to, Think that of that moment when you, when you began to pray and, and God begins to, he begins to work. When you began to pray, God begins to work. The very name Jehovah means he's acting on your behalf. And Christ fulfills all those compound names that you don't have to remember Jehovah Nisi and Jehovah Titskunu and Jehovah Elohim. You don't have to remember all those. It's all wrapped up in the name of Jesus. And when you go to the Father, He begins to work in your behalf. And I tell you that you have an, a, an authority and a privilege to pray for the lost. Maybe if our prayer wouldn't be so selfish and it would become selfless. We would see some changes in this, not just this place. I'm talking about this nation. He said, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. We've got a, we've got a, 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 that's not a problem in the church. We've got a zeal of God. But we've got a, I'm going to steal Brother Larson's line. We've got a lot of fanatics, but not informed fanatics. We've got a lot of people shouting. They don't know what they're shouting about. They just don't know. I told you, I think it was last week, I referenced this. It's like going to a baseball game and, and somebody asks you how many points they got. <laughs> points, come on, man. This is, you don't know the game. You out here cheering and you thought they, you thought they had a touchdown when, they, when he hit a home run. It's, it's, it's just, we're just cheering. We don't know what we're cheering about. You ever, you ever been somewhere? I told you about the Tour de Pont that came through when we was in high school, came through the big metropolis town of Dallas, North Carolina, and I could have cared less about anybody riding a bicycle. I promise you that. But it, this was the thing. We're going to see the Tour de Pont's coming through town. I was like, what is that? It's like the Tour de France, but they were going to DuPont. I don't know where that's at. But they were riding by, and I was like, woo! <laughs> Pedal that bicycle, woo! Don't hit your front brakes, you'll flip over the handlebars. Woo! Go ahead. You want some water? Woo! Hallelujah. This is like us in church. We don't even know, what we, a lot of people don't even know what we're cheering about. We don't know what we're shouting about. We're just excited. We got a zeal of God, but not, not a zeal for God. What's the difference? Religion versus relationship. Because I'm going to tell you, you know that song, You Should Have Been There When I Got Saved? Man, when, I, when God gets when he has gotten a hold of you, you ain't just shouting just to be shouting. Because when something hits you, sometimes it don't matter. It can be, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh. And you just begin to understand how 
beautiful he is to you and, and how precious that name is to you. And you understand that I don't lay my head down worried about if the trump of God will sound any longer because I have a peace that passes understanding and I've got a song in me even the angels can't sing. And I know what you may label me as, but I know what God calls me because I know whose I am and I know who I am in Him. And I know what I'm shouting about. So they had a zeal... Uh, for God, or of God, but not for God. He certainly understood this zeal. Think of him formerly, his formal life. He had a zeal to persecute and imprison. He was good at it. Good at it. Many, and again, they have a zeal of, but not for God. God's not an object. God's a person. He's the person that drives me. That I live for. The word says in him we live and move and have our being. I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't want to only know God. I want to experience all, all that he has for me. I want to experience all of the benefits of Calvary in my life. Are we asking for it? Are we approaching him the only way we can through Christ? In the name of Jesus. They rejected their inheritance. It was their own failure to respond to God's purpose for their own life. They rejected their inheritance. They did. Nobody else did it to them. They rejected it. it, it it's, it's not my fault. It's not mom or dad's fault. It's not a, a friend's fault. It's that, that, that people fail to respond to God's purpose for their lives. It's no one else's fault but ours. Talked about spiritual warfare over the last two Wednesday nights, and, and we began to understand as we are warring in Christ, He's warring through us, that we may begin to no, no longer have the excuse to point the fingers at other people. Well, you didn't ask me to do this, or you didn't make me feel this way, or you didn't, you weren't inviting to me. Instead of looking at ourselves, I am a spiritual shipwreck and in need of the Savior Jesus Christ. To change me. See, we like to point the, 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 the finger at everybody else. When you pastor, you're blamed for everything. And that's okay. It's your fault. <laughs> you just, it just comes. So I promise you, if anybody ever comes to me and they say they feel like they're called to pastor... I'm going to do just like our pastor did. I'm going to try everything I got to talk you out of it. Because it's your fault you didn't call me. It's your fault you didn't come see me in the hospital. It's your fault that, that, that you didn't send me a birthday card. It's your fault that I didn't get, a, didn't get a stairway to heaven cupcake. And I say, well, it's your fault you didn't tell me you were in the hospital. It's your fault that you didn't tell me it was your birthday. And it's your fault that you said you like chocolate ice uh, uh, cupcakes instead of a stairway to heaven. So... There you go. No, I don't fire back at that. I just ignore it. We like to point the finger at everybody else. I mean, I, for crying out loud, I just told somebody the other week, I said, if you quit buying these, these crazy groceries, I could lose some weight. <laughs> and she has never stood there with a knife to the back of my head and you say, you eat that Captain Crunch cereal. <laughs> Except, huh? Shh. 
They're little bowls. They're <laughs> little tiny bowls. Actually, they're great big mixing bowls. <laughs> cereal don't last long at our house. Thus, why we go to Sam's Club and get the ginormous bags and we're, we're pouring cereal like this. But we want to blame everybody for everything. It's your fault that I don't know what righteousness is. It's your fault that I found myself laboring for the Lord and now I'm just worn out because all of this stuff just didn't work for me. Now tell me what to do. What if we actually desired the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the air in our own ways? Instead of blaming everybody else. Four bowls. We don't have enough milk for four bowls. What are you talking about? We would, if we would get a dairy cow and a cereal machine, we could save tons of money. Do you have any cereal machines? I, some, there's something that makes cereal. But anyway, that ain't going to do none of this stuff. But they rejected. They had rejected their inheritance. Many believers forfeit, hear me, Forfeit their inheritance. How? Because they don't want it God's way. To obtain an inheritance, death must take place. Death took place at Calvary's cross. So thus, we have an inheritance that we have been afforded. And to be a beneficiary of that inheritance, you've got to be in the family. My mom uh, passed away, uh, and it's been 10 years. And, and, and I thought never did anything ever cross my mind about an inheritance that my mom would have left me. Because uh, we, we did monetary, the, <laughs> there was less than nothing. <laughs> In fact, my dad owed <laughs> and still paid for the inheritance. <laughs> and I, don't, I didn't get nothing to do with it. But the later on in life, I, I, I actually realized the inheritance that my mother left me. The importance of seeking his face. When I pick up one of her old Bibles and I began to look at the underlines and the notes and the margin that my mom wrote, that a revelation of the Holy Spirit happened in her life and she began to realize, I need you, Lord. The other day, I had a glorious moment happen in my life, and my mother began to write a book before she passed away, and it was two years before her passing, she began to write a book, and her, her maiden name was Divine, and the title of the book was A Divine Calling. And I was going through a cabinet in our office, because our office had become a catch-all, and it just was like a train wreck, and I was sped up, I, something's got to go, got to clean up, I was going through papers, and I found the first 70 pages of the book that she wrote. And I sat down and I began to read. And I began to really just tear up and cry because I, not that, and it was a glorious moment that my mother had written this and it become, but because that had become real to me. That now I understand righteousness is not considered where I go to church, how I dress. It's not, it's not, it does, I'm not counted righteous because I pay my tithes. I'm not counted righteous because I go every time the doors are open. But I'm counted righteous because I have received Christ and I rest in Him. 
So it's our responsibility to develop a relationship. It's my responsibility to point you the direction. It's your responsibility to develop that relationship. For so long, the responsibility has been placed on the pastor or the teacher or the evangelist to nurture and develop that relationship. I cannot do that. But I can and will, and my duty, if you look at it that way, is to point you the right way, to steer you the right direction. Dennis and Leslie cannot make a child grow in their walk. They just, just can't. But they can and do plant and water and steer that child in the right direction. And those lessons that are taught from a young child and when they're taught correctly and you're steered in the right direction, when you're 40, nearly 44 years old, you'll still remember those lessons, as I do mine from Faith Simons, who taught me when I was a little kid. I actually was paying attention while I was running around the back of Children's Church. <laughs> she used to let me work the puppets because she figured that at least she could keep my, her eye on me that way. My puppet taught Chinese. I don't know. My puppet was like... I never was to words. <laughs> Y'all don't even care about that, but I'm just telling you. But I learned later in life what the righteousness of God is. I wish I would have known when I was a kid. I wish I would have known when I was a teen. I wish I would have known when I was in my 20s. I wish I would have known when I was 30. Because it would have saved me a lot of frustration. This is why we stress the importance of people getting their children to church and getting the young folks, and young folks, if you watch it, where are you on Monday nights? It's not so Terrence and Melissa can preach to a full house, but it's so that you can be steered the right direction. If you don't avail yourself to something, then you can't blame anything on anybody else but you. So their knowledge was not the right kind of knowledge. It was a partial, insufficient knowledge which led them astray and they began to implement methods of salvation. Look at verse 3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness. <coughs> What will happen when you figure out something don't work? You'll try something else. And when you figure out that don't work, you'll try something else. I had to get two new front tires for the tractor. I was trying to get them things on, man. They're heavy, and I couldn't hold them up and get the bolt started. And Jim was like, why don't you just wait on some help? I was like, no, I got it. I was like, just find me a screwdriver. Just find me something. I want to stick through, the, through where the hole is, and I'll line it up, and I'll, I'll, I'll wiggle it around, and I'll put it on there, and it didn't work. Then this didn't work. <laughs> and then this didn't work either. And so I just got out. I was like, yeah, whatever. We're just going to ride a willy everywhere. <laughs> so we ain't going to have no front tires. <laughs> but this is us. This is our representation of us trying to do something. To, to, to gain merit, to gain favor. 
all of the people in the world, the, the, these, are, these are the very ones that, we, that, that, that should have known all the things about God or of God because they had been brought up in this and they had been taught this and it had been passed down. But they, they substituted a form of righteousness. They were people of the covenant, the law, the prophets. They, they failed to recognize God. In fact, when He came as the Messiah... They murdered him. It's the state of today. We fail to recognize him and impute our own law. And just as they did, we sometimes to substitute our righteousness and our knowledge for God's. I believe without a doubt, verse 3 is absolutely true about today's state. The state of mind. In the church. Ignorance is this. It's not to know uh, through lack of information. It's, it's, you don't know. Uh, I, I, I have a lack of information. This is ignorance. I, I got a lack of information or an intelligence. Or it's by implication to ignore through disinclination. Basically, I don't want to know. So I'm ignorant to the fact. The latter was Israel's problem. They, did, they didn't want to know the truth. So therefore, ignorance was self-inflicted. And when that happens, the definition changes from ignorance to stupidity. Today, we, have no, we do not have a lack of information. If you don't know something, what do you do? First thing you do, I'm Googling it. Bailey had to find out if I was right about 9.8 meters per second squared which he should have known. I mean, he's practically genius. Now he knows, but he Googled it. You don't know how to spell a word, which I don't often. <laughs> I say it in my phone, and Siri has a problem understanding Southern. But I said, I said Dutchess, and it says Britches. I don't know what, I mean, so what is this? But we want to know. We, we don't have a lack of information. If you want to know something about the Bible, you type in a thing and type Bible, it'll pull it up for you. A lack of information is not the problem. It's our denial of the information. That's the problem. We don't want to make ourselves available to the information, to the knowledge of God. For, uh, 1 Corinthians 2 and 14 says, But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned, so the unsaved cannot understand, it don't matter how much they Google, how much they search, how much they look, they can understand that I need the Savior. But beginning to understand the things of God comes through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And that happens by us availing ourselves to Him to change us. So this is the way the unsaved, they substitute their righteousness for God's. And it all starts, and it all started from the fall of man. And it hasn't changed. Man has substituted God's righteousness for theirs by making rules and laws and doing the do's and not doing the don'ts. We have, we have given this litany of stuff when we have membership, uh, uh, when, we, when we receive new members of church, we've been asked often, what do I need to do? Hey, brother, you just need to be saved. You don't have to sign a contract. You don't have to dance. You don't have to stand on one foot like this. For 10 minutes, you don't do nothing. Just be saved. 
Well, don't y'all take them to a class? Why? Now, I know, I know we're encouraged to take them to a class and tell them, but what are you joining? It's nothing. We're not, I mean, we're not some secret society where you're going to get benefits for, I mean, you know, I, I don't know what, I mean, you can ride in the bus or the van or, <laughs> but we, we treat it as some secret society. We should desire to belong to the body of Christ. But it's just being saved. Your closeness to God's not going to come through you being a member of Lakeside Church. It's going to come through your time spent in the closet we talked about this morning. So when Adam placed himself ahead of God, as a result, we, we, are, a, we are very reluctant uh, uh, to, to, to uh, admit dependence upon God. Uh, because so was I. He played, I want to know. I'm substituting what you told me for what I think will be right. We want to be self-sufficient in all things, so we, we try to save ourselves by good works or some, some type of achievement. Israel professed, professed to know God in His ways, so their ignorance was a deliberate ignorance. They didn't want the whole truth. And in fact, this correlates again with today quite well. People may think that, that if I'm ignorant to it, then that's a valid excuse. <laughs> my brother is not very mechanically inclined. Either of my brothers. <laughs> uh, my, I remember my dad bought him a 1977 Jeep CJ5. That thing was awesome. It was actually a 56 Willis with a 77 CJ5 body, and y'all don't care about that. But anyway, he had it, calls my dad, from a payphone, said he Lysol. <laughs> Dad, Jeep ain't going nowhere. Say what? Say, I don't know. This thing just cut off. Dad, it won't. I can't. It won't start nothing. What are you talking about, son? Say, I don't know. My dad calls Tommy's wrecker, which we, I guess we had a good relationship with. Man, they they knew us by name. We we're the only people who had a tab at the record service. <laughs> they went and got our stuff like a lot. So it comes home. My dad says, son, when's the last time you put any oil in this thing? He's like, oil? He's like, uh, yeah, it's kind of necessary. He's like, uh, never? He's like, your engine's locked up, son. He's like, oh, I didn't know. He's like, you have a driver's license. How do you not know that you have to put oil in the engine? You never told me, Dad. Son, you ever looked at the engine? You ever seen that can on there with a drop that says oil? We want to blame our ignorance of something on somebody else. God, I didn't know that I was supposed to submit myself to you and then resist the devil and then flee. I thought he just said, just resist him. Lord, nobody told me. Nobody told me that I had to surrender my life to you. Nobody told me that I had to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of my life so that I could spend eternity in heaven. Can I tell you that ignorance, ignorance will not be valid when he asks you, what did you do with Jesus? It's not. It's not a valid excuse. Simply by believing the Lord Jesus Christ, most believe that you can obtain righteousness, but first... You have to do it by completing a program or doing certain things. 
If simple faith in Christ is good enough for God, then it's good enough for the church. Adding law to grace ain't never going to get it done. This is why Paul wrote to the Galatians, Church of Galatia. What is the righteousness of God? Here we go. We find it in verse 4. Christ. Here's the very simple answer. Christ is the righteousness of God. Christ. What do you mean? I mean Christ. You in Christ counts you righteous. <coughs> that is the righteousness of God. God's righteousness is not a philosophy. It's not a theory. It's not a church. It's not a law. It is a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. The righteousness of Christ is the only righteousness that God will accept. And that righteousness is available to all who simply believe and have faith in Him, admitting that you have no righteousness or you us having no righteousness of our own. He receives what He provided. Pretty simple. Friday, we went and played golf. So I'm going to go down to the golf range and take my jacked up driver that looks like it's been hitting rocks because it has. Get me a bucket of balls, go out there with those guys with the fancy shoes and fancy golf bags. And I'm going to get my balls and I'm going to hit them forever far, whatever. Something happened. You, in order to get access to what you need, I had to go to the, they call it the pro shop. I felt important because <laughs> I am definitely not a pro. And I was like, I need two tokens for the driving range. The man gave me two tokens. They're shaped funky looking. I could have put a quarter in there. It never gave me anything. I could have put a, a dollar in there. I could have gave him my credit card that has $3 on it. I could have, nothing. I had to give what was provided to receive what was needed. And hear me. God gave you what you need that you have to give back to receive what you need. You, he gave Christ so you could have Christ so you could have all that He has. He gave you the key. But you've got to receive that key. I didn't go to the pro shop and say, brother, I'm going to go get some balls so I can hit them. Sorry, I know what you're trying to help me out here, but I don't need that. I got access to the ball giver or whatever. I don't know what it's called. I did not until, until I received what he gave. God gave us access through his son, Jesus Christ. And the only righteousness he will receive, the only righteousness that he will bless is the righteousness of Christ, which is found in Christ. So when we rest in Christ and place our faith in Christ, then we receive all that God has. We're saved by grace through faith, and it is the gift of God. It's freely given. It's freely received. We can get caught up in a religion and begin to seek the things that we don't need to seek because it's, it's already things have already been provided. So we don't need anything else. We don't need to add to it. Time goes by so fast for whatever reason on Sunday nights. 
You don't have to look for something that you already have. You, you take hold of it by placing your faith in the finished work of Christ at Calvary's cross. Simple. Simple. The Jews desired their own righteousness. It was gained through their own efforts and it, was glor- and it glorified themselves. They didn't want to thank God for the gift that they felt. Uh, they, had, they felt they had to earn it. I, I, I told you, and, and I'm trying to shorten them for, for time's sake, but I told you, you know, my, my story of my red bicycle with the 12-foot-long tall flagpole that I was terrified to ride in Ranlow, North Carolina. I was like, Dad, I'm going to get beat up if I ride down the road with this flag. <laughs> Flag's got to go. I'm not riding. I'm not. We live on a dead-end road, and the average age of our street was 97. They don't drive anyway. They're not going to run over me, Dad. So, but I didn't, I don't even know I told you all that. I didn't work for what my dad gave me. I didn't have to get down and do 20 push-ups or go cut the grass. It was cold anyway. I just said, thank you, Dad. And I got on the bicycle after I took the flag off and rode it. God give us his son. And we don't have to work. We just got to receive. He gave us righteousness. We have to receive it. We don't work for it. We don't produce it. He won't accept it anyway. They claimed, the Jews claimed to keep the law, but they didn't, they didn't really keep the law. They made a religion out of it, and they implemented some 600 more laws on top of those 10. For example, you couldn't slide a chair across the floor on a Sunday or on the Sabbath because it could stir dust, and that was considered plowing. Thus, the same reason a woman could not brush her hair on the Sabbath because it could stir dust, and that was considered plowing. So there was a law that you couldn't keep. Wasn't going to happen. And we've done these things. I knew growing up, man, I was like, bro. I was like, ooh, your mama's working on Sunday. Y'all going to hell. You go to church on Sunday. But then we would go out to eat at Long Creek Fish Camp on Sunday, not thinking they have to work. We made a law out of working on Sundays. I remember my first job at Service Merchandise. Woo! Warehouse Expediter. I don't even, whatever that meant. I, I got fired for riding the conveyor belt up front, but <laughs> it was awesome. It was, it was, I was like, dude, push me up front. I was like, I'm going to hold the fire. This lady had a fire extinguisher. I'm, I'm going to deliver it, hand deliver it. I was like, you're going to get fired. I was like, I don't care. It'd be so worth it. So I laid down, uh, holding the fire extinguisher. They pushed me, and I was like, here you go, ma'am. And uh, they didn't like it too much. But anyway, I was like, I can't work Sundays. Why? Because I'll go to hell. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I don't really know what reason to give you. Well, we don't work Sundays at my house. That's the Lord's day. <laughs> but that was the only day I gave them. I only, actually, I didn't give them that whole day. I only gave them from, from like 10 to 12 and then 6 to 8. And I was furious if my uncle went over 8 because America's Funniest Home Videos came on at 8 o'clock. Then I would pretend to watch the nursery, and I'd take a paper clip down to the downstairs, and I'd put a paper clip in the back of the TV so I could watch America's Funniest Videos when I was supposed to be watching kids. <laughs> oh, don't act like y'all saints. I mean, come on, man. Y'all didn't do nothing wrong. I know. It's all right. That's why I can talk about the righteousness of God. <laughs> he, he gloriously saved me, man. Man, I was bad. 
It's okay. I, I wouldn't do that now. I mean, so if, if you're scared to trust me as a kid, I promise I wouldn't do anything crazy with Malachi. I'm older now. I, I got a little more sense. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean, walk it off's a good, that's a good thing. I mean, just, son, you, your leg's sideways, but it ain't broke. You walk that off. It's, it's all right. How do we always get here? It's me, I'm sorry. But righteousness is not earned. It's given. And the righteousness of God is for all to receive and all to enjoy. So we don't add to, they created this law, they created this religion out of doing good. It's like the Mormons, you know, we've got we to complete our mission. All they are is in good shape and, and that's it. They got nothing else. The Jehovah's Witness would come. They, they, they used to come to the house. They don't come anymore. But I didn't sit there and argue with them. I just asked them a simple question. I was like, what, what if you're 144,001? You're in trouble. It's, it's not, I'm not looking for an argument, but my righteousness is not considered and based upon what I do. I am, I do because I already have all that I need. So, so it makes people feel good as if they're doing something to contribute to their salvation. Makes me feel good to be plugged in. Makes me feel good to be, you should desire to be plugged in. Listen, if you feel left out or an outcast at Lakeside Church, it's because you, you don't want to be involved. There's something for everybody to get involved in. What is the something that you want to be involved in? I don't know. I'm not you. But if you go on our website, if you go out there, if you look at the calendar, if you just ask somebody, there is something for everybody. So if you feel like you're outside, it's because you want to be. So don't point the finger at anybody else. This is just what the, the, the people do. It's ignorance. It's let's, let's, let's point the finger. Let's get it away from me. So this is why they hated Jesus, because he came, fulfilled the law. He took their spiritual narcotics away. This is why people don't really like the, 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 the delivery, the, the true word of God any longer, because it takes the spiritual narcotic away that I get this high when I do something. Matthew 11 and 28, Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest from what? Legalism. Works. Less rest from, from, from never having peace of mind or, or never, never uh, uh, being at ease, I guess, uh, because our works have never produced a righteousness that God will receive anyway. I will give you rest from you. They had not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. Submission to God is key to having victory in our lives. Just track with me just a few more moments. I'm about to wrap it up. Submitted in the Greek is hupotasso uh, or huptasso. I'm sure I said it wrong. Which means to arrange under. Like the military or the soldiers in a battalion, they... They arrange themselves under that commanding officer. They do as that instruction is given. Not only would the Jews not do this, but most of the world won't do it today. They will not submit themselves to God. Because I want to call the shots. 
I want to be in charge. I want to make the, make the whatevers. Acts 4 and verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men where we, whereby we must be saved. There's no other way. There's no other way to righteousness. There's no other way to salvation other than through Jesus Christ. It's not Christ plus. Submission to Christ is, and, and to Him alone is all it is. You can't tack anything on to the condition of faith. Catholics try to tack on Mary and the church. They try to tack that onto Jesus regarding salvation. The church of Christ wants to tack on water baptism onto Jesus. The Seventh-day Adventist tries to tack on the Sabbath day onto Jesus. And certain Pentecostals try to tack on speaking in tongues. They're all a result of the same thing. Forfeitures of the privileges of God. So when you add works, that nullifies faith. Therefore, frustrates the grace. Therefore, your righteousness goes from God's righteousness to yours, and it's looked at as a filthy rag. How quick the tables turn when we begin to work and operate within ourselves. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10 says that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you shall believe in your heart that God has uh, raised him from the dead, then thou shalt be, or you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So how are we counted righteous? Again, in Christ. By receiving Christ as Lord and Savior. So if we're a child of God, I am no more, or, or I am a child, I'm no more righteous than the next person. I'm not. I, I, I'm no more righteous than, 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 than Noah. And, and uh, 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 in Christ, in Christ. Uh, bro, listen, Brother Swagger's no more righteous than Noah in Christ. We all are counted righteous in Christ. That, that's the beauty. The cross levels the playing field. The cross levels it all, no matter who you are, where you've been, what you've been through, where you find yourself. When you throw yourself at the feet of Jesus and confess Him as our Savior, then you, you, you go down, that, or you lay down that filthy stained mess, and you get up justified, spotless, and counted righteous in Christ. The musicians, singers, you come. <coughs> I found myself as of late I know and I'm not saying this boastfully I'm not saying this pridefully that I can get up there and rear up on my hind legs and preach with the best of them but my desire is to teach is to see us grow not just to shout it down. I love all that and it's a part of it and it's wonderful I love it, but it's us growing in our relationship and knowing why, knowing how, and knowing who we are. We have to stop letting legalism get in the way and quit trying to earn things that we cannot earn. We don't have to be perfect and, and rid ourselves of all hindrances before we come to Christ because we can't. 
it's impossible. So I ask you this question, if you find yourself frustrated, worn out, or if you watch or will watch, and you find yourself miserable, wondering what I began to mention at the beginning of this, why is life so crazy? Maybe it's because we're trying to produce our own righteousness and not really rest and walk in the righteousness of God. Again, what is the righteousness of God? It is Christ Jesus. The Swiss Alpine team is a very notorious and well-known team for their climbing skills and of ice and ice cliffs and snow embankments and all of those things. The Swiss Alps, they're, they're very well-known and their signature for their ropes they use is a red thread riding, running right down the, the center of the road. And there was, a, there, there was a time where they were out climbing and they were, they were, uh, they were going up a very uh, steep uh, 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 place and the lead climber fell. He fell almost 4,000 feet. That's a long way. And he took out every single person that was below. They, they saw what was going on above them and they braced for the impact and, and they were horrified. Uh, then then, then they, they finally... Uh, figure out what had happened the rope failed and they were astonished and they could not believe it and they scratched their head and they wondered how could this have happened it's unbreakable it's impeccable it's been put through the ringer this could not have happened they began to examine the rope and they realized that the lead man had substituted the rope because it didn't have that red cord through the center. So by him substituting what was fail-proof, it cost him his life as well as others. The thin red line, the bloodline, that goes throughout this word through the center of it all is fail-proof. But when you substitute anything for Him, not only are you putting your life at danger, but those around you as well. I want you to stand tonight. Tonight, I just as they sing, I want you to spend some time seeking the Lord. If you need salvation, we're, we're more than happy to pray with you tonight. tonight. If, you, if you watch and... And you want to know, who am I? How can, I'm not good enough to be saved. The Bible tells us that whosoever shall believe upon the Lord shall be saved. There's no stipulation on whosoever. I want to tell you that, that if you say yes to Jesus, then you're counted just as righteous as I am. You have the same access that I have. And you are just as saved as I am. Today's that day. But I want you to, if you find yourself questioning, worn out, or, or, or wondering what will or what, how can I, then, then submit yourself, surrender yourselves to the Lord and accept Christ. Well, brother, I'm already saved. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm saying submit yourself to the way. That's it. Don't make it difficult. It don't have to be. But tonight, I want you to respond as the Holy Spirit leads you as they sing and as they pray.
What many will ride by and see is a, just a cool trailer sitting out there, and it is. It's not just a cool trailer, it's a tool to take the gospel. And I want you to be in prayer because on May 15th, it's going to be pulled to Union, South Carolina, actually the day before that. And if uh, you're wondering what's going to happen, the gospel is going to be shared. The way is going to be made known. To who? To whoever. It don't matter. To whoever. Well, why? Why would you? Why would? Why would you do that? Why would? Why would you? Why would you do that? Because everybody needs Jesus. I know brother, brother Don, he's ready to go hit some doors and tell people about Jesus. Why? Everybody needs Jesus.
something about knocking on doors and telling people about Jesus is this. You have no idea who's going to answer that. You don't know if they're rich, poor, black, white. You don't know what, who, or where they've been. You just know I've got what they need and I'm going to tell them about it. Listen, you've been given everything you need. The righteousness of God is in you. That's Jesus Christ. And that's what he receives. That's what he blesses. Don't wear yourself out trying to rest. You can work like nobody's business and stay, stay resting in Christ. We've been, we have not slowed down one millisecond in eight years. But I'm just as revived today as I was in 2013. Because it's in Christ. In Christ. So tomorrow, uh, if you have kids or you feel young or whatever, come on out and be blessed. Be fed spiritually. Y'all got food, physical food. You're going to get something. I don't know what that something is. You're going to get something. Wednesday night service. Uh, Tuesday morning, Lord willing, Bible study. Uh, Baby shower coming for little Henry. And uh, Noah said that uh, Henry said that he was needing some wanted some nine millimeter ammo. <laughs> That's what I heard. I, I'm not sure, but uh, anyway, was that was that right? Anyway, yeah, he needed some, but no, he don't. Anyway, we love you guys. Uh, be blessed, and we will see you soon. But just be the salt and light this week. Let people see Christ in you.